Welcome to the Analytics of Dynasty Redraftable Series, the 2011 edition. So we did the uh, we did the 2012 edition last week. Now we're doing the 2011 edition this week. I'm again joined by Chris Vanek and Adam Wilson. Uh, and we will uh, we'll get into the draft in a minute here. Let's just lay out the ground rules again. Uh, this is a we are redrafting with Superflex uh, as the primary format, and we are um, uh, basically doing the entire 2011 class. Right, so we're going to do two rounds, and uh, we drew beforehand. Chris drew the first pick. Adam drew the second pick. I drew the third pick. So. Uh, I have to make sure that my board is at least 24 people deep here, but I, I got a couple special uh, special honorary mentions there at the end. So, um, so yeah, that is a uh, that is a um, we'll see here. Some of these classes it'll be interesting. I was looking at some of the data for these classes, and the average basically between 2008 and 2018 in terms of starter seasons 18.2. And this class had 16, as well as the last class we did, which was 2012, had 16 as well. So went through a little bit of a dead span between 2011 and 2013, uh, bookended by some nicer classes on either side. So um, so welcome, guys. Thanks for being back with me this week. And uh, Chris, why don't you go ahead and lead us off with the one in the 2011 Rookie Redraftable Series. Uh, okay, thanks for having us back again. So uh, this one, I think there's a couple different ways could have gone with this first pick. But Superflex, I'm going with the 101 NFL pick, Cam Newton. So except for 2019, uh, when he only played two games, he's finished top 17 quarterback every season. And that includes four top six finishes. Now, I know he's not an elite passer, but, you know, he makes up some serious points on the ground. And in his career, 5,400 yards and 70 touchdowns rushing. So, you know, if he's going to keep scoring points, I don't really care how he scores the points. It's my pick. Yeah, and this is – it's interesting we get to this point, and this will tell you some of the you know, some of the positional biases in terms of time and all this stuff. The, the running backs – it's only one that's really still relevant. And, you know, the quarterbacks, uh, a lot of them are still relevant from this class. The receivers, some of them are as well. So it's interesting when you sort of look at it from, from the positional perspective, you do still have some viability out of Cam Newton, and you've got a quarterback one season out of him as well. So uh, nice pick there. All right, Adam, it is to you at two, and I'll, I'll ask you first who your pick is, and second of all, whether you would have taken this person one-on-one. Oh, interesting. No, uh, I actually had – well, okay, first pick, Julio Jones. Um, in his eight, eight out of his first ten seasons were um, hits. Six, uh, six top seven seasons in a row. Um, no, I would have taken Cam Newton uh, first. I just think quarterback, super flex, like let's just go – you know, let's go with the, the quarterback. Um, I actually thought that it would be closer – between when I started looking into the dug into these stats a little bit, I actually thought it'd be closer between him and AJ green, but uh, it really isn't. Um, so Julio was, uh, you know, easy between the two of them. So. Yeah. So that's a good, uh, so that's, that's two. I'll take AJ green. It's not 
I could have gone running back probably, but I'll take AJ Green. Uh, a couple of things to note here on AJ Green: five hits to start his career, elite, elite threshold. Julio had four, uh, and uh, he missed in year three. AJ Green with five, five point one three wins over replacement in his first five seasons. So basically, he was a win a year guy. Uh, and uh, Julio, just short of a win a year guy. I think year three, if memory serves, that was the year he had the, some of the foot problems. Um, so he did miss some time that span. Uh, I think Julio has gotten the, the better of the second act of their career, the second you know, the second half, I guess, of the decade. Um, but A.J. Green is uh, a, a very elite start to his career uh, in terms of uh, in terms of, uh, you know, of, of rookie drafts. And it's tough to argue with really the top three picks in this class. We get into some other classes and you're like, oh man. But I mean, this is, this is, uh, you know, the stuff that fantasy football hall of fames are made out of uh, a really, really good start to this class. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm assuming that that would have been the consensus top in some order with you guys as well. I actually had yeah. green below yeah. my first running back, but still close. F uh, funny enough, so, so did I. Okay. Interesting. Yep. Interesting. Okay, so I'm going to turn it back to Chris. I'm guessing this running back is going to be the one that comes off the board here. So let's see. Maybe Chris and I should write the books. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Too much work. Yeah, I know. All right, so first running back, Mark Ingram. Uh, so first three seasons – he was useful, uh, but maybe not great. Then he kind of turned it on 2014. He did miss a couple games, but still finished running back nine in fantasy points per game. Next two seasons, running back eight, running back six. Then you get, you know, Kamara getting more time in that backfield and his numbers fell. Uh, then he goes to the Ravens uh, in 2019, finishes running back nine. So another top 10 season. So almost four seasons of top 10 play. Um, and I think that's pretty good for a running back. Yeah, I think I think my only concern with Ingram is that it took him a little bit to get there. You know, like I, you know, if you were redoing it, I, I, I mean, I think you looked at him as a disappointment to start. So, yeah, fair. but he he's who I had third as well. So. Totally. I, it's funny that you you would have thought. You know, we had this conversation with some of the guys like Richardson and. Uh, mm -hmm some of those guys last week and this would have been a situation where he could have bailed on missing the good parts, right? You could have easily had a slow start to his career, been disappointed, bailed on that and then missed what is largely a better second act than a first act, which is kind of a, a rare, you know, we were talking earlier on in the uh, offline about some of the arcs of, of running backs. And it's kind of rare to sort of get that second act be better than the initial thing. You, you're hoping for a big impact at the beginning. And uh, he, he that was sort of the opposite of that. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, in so, Dynasty, I'm sure a ton of people gave up on Ingram after those first two seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's and you know it was it was I think consensus was he was a disappointment. Um, so it would be interesting to see like what his market value would have done, you know, if if we were to sort of get into today's time, right? I mean, this is a uh, you know we're talking ten years later, and he was still relevant. Yeah, you know, this this past year again, he got hurt, and that's sort of the the quick exit uh, to a fantasy career for sure. But 
Um, you know, it's, it'd be interesting to see if we had a guy who, who missed and we haven't really had this in the last couple of years that I can think of offhand, but the first round running back that misses the first couple of years and is a disappointment. That's you're talking probably 15th, 16th round startup pick. Uh, that's probably where, where Ingram would have, would, uh, have landed now if we were sort of redoing this thing again. So, uh, um, yeah, he's coming back. And he's coming back. Yeah. 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 That was all injury. And, and Ingram was li- largely uh, just not good, right. Or not used. It was the him and Sean Payton didn't get a long thing. And then he ultimately, he got it right. And, and it turned out well. So, um, all right, Adam, you are up next with the fifth pick here in this, uh, in this class. Yeah. So I'm going to go with DeMarco Murray. Um, three top six seasons. He was a running back two overall in one season. And he also, in addition to that, had two running back three seasons. And so he's kind of, you know, what you would expect to see out of Ingram in terms of his first two seasons where, you know, he finished running back 30 and running back 26. So it was kind of an easier um easier to hang on to him because he was producing points and then ultimately hit for a top, you know, top six season and then, you know, two running back two overall. So, um, and it's funny because looking at that, looking at it from that perspective, I wonder if you could make the case that you should be taking him over Ingram, but um, I actually did have Ingram higher, but yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I actually, when you said running back, I assume you're taking a Marco Murray. So it's interesting when you sort of look at the, again, you look at the arcs of these guys and you can sort of balance different ways, um, mm-hmm. you know, for sure. So I do think at this point there's a tear break. Uh, I think there's, uh, you know, Definitely. I think you, you go the top three and then you sort of go the two running backs. And then I think there's a tear break. You can go a couple of different ways here, I think. Um, I'm trying to play the board a little bit in terms of thinking about what you guys might value here later on, which is kind of a t- always a tough game to play. Um, I will go with Randall Cobb. And when you sort of look at Randall Cobb's career, again, still relevant. Some of these guys, it's not, it's not very many, but Randall Cobb was one uh, very high end for a period of time there with the, the green Bay and the heyday with, with him and with uh, with Jordy Nelson and actually Devontae Adams was on that team as well. So you just think about, you comp that team to what they're dealing with now. And you're like, all right, Devontae Adams is your wide receiver three. <laughs> and pretty clearly the wide receiver three to start his career. And you compare it to now, you're like, all right, well, where's the Randall Cobb? Where's the Jordy Nelson on this, on this team? It's just a totally different uh, atmosphere with that, that, that offense in that the early 2000s was in the early 2010s was was elite and i was looking i was actually looking at cobb this year uh really good like some of the efficiency was actually really good uh and you know it's it was probably they probably signed him for too much money but he was actually uh pretty good in terms of how he was uh as you know two years ago and this year on a usage uh, the usage rate wasn't that high but the actual production wasn't bad so um so yeah so i'll take randall cobb here and again i do think it's a tear break and you can go a number of different ways so i'll be interested to see where this board pivots to and chris you're back up at 107 i'm back up and i'm going back to quarterback uh mr red rocket andy dalton so looking at him versus cam you know dalton had more passes more yardage more touchdowns it, it just didn't quite have the same fantasy points because, you know, with Cam, he had the ground game. He did have a top six season in his third year. There weren't any other quarterback one seasons, but he had several quarterback two years. So, you know, Dalton's a guy that 
was, I don't think, re- ever really a bad quarterback for fantasy. He just wasn't great. Yeah, and it, Dalton's going to be forever one of those examples of sort of the arc of the quarterback position to me, right? You get, you rarely get a guy like Derek Carr who settles in his quarterback two range. Right? That's usually not what happens. You you almost always have to get a guy that has a really high end season because that sort of proves that they can hang. And once that happens, teams will sort of hang on for a while. Uh, and that's kind of been the that was kind of the deal with Dalton. He's an example of that. That Derek Carr example, where he he did have the one season that was like really good, uh, but he ended up getting hurt and didn't post the fantasy finish that Dalton did. I guess that's the comp that you would use. But that is um, that's certainly an interesting. Uh, it's it's an interesting career arc for sure. Uh, so it's, all right, it's Adam, like they're good enough to win some games, but not bad enough to get replaced. Yeah, and it's it's always that example of all right, who who is at any given point good enough to start in the NFL? And there's only there's somewhere in the twenty to thirty range at any given moment in time. So do you move on from that guy, or do you go out and you get what a, take a shot on a rookie? Uh, and he was good enough to keep you in sort of the middle part of the round, so you never got that. It's kind of like what the Colts are dealing with right now, right? Like you kind of have to, you're kind of stuck in mediocrity at the quarterback position because you're too good to not, to get the, to get the elite pick. So did you turn that into a shot on Wentz? I know you want to do it on every <laughs> podcast or everything we do, but I didn't intentionally, went? I didn't intentionally do that. That is uh, I've tried to not mention that person's name recently. Um, I mean, but got yeah. it out of the way in the first 15 minutes. I like it. Now we can, well, yeah, I got to check the box. I have there. tried to not, mention his name just because it's uh it became kind of a thing and never cross eagles twitter which apparently still is very sore about the carson wentz experience um yeah so uh cross them because they will they will hunt you down so, I, I yeah. saw I saw on your QB tiers on your website that you, under Jalen Hurts you you still have Carson Wentz as the likely 2021 starter. So just show them that. I'll have to change that. Yeah, yeah. I'll go and change that. Yeah, I'll go Isn't uh, isn't Andy Dalton just like what you hope your team doesn't ever have to deal with? Like you don't ever want to, like I hope that Baker Mayfield is not Andy Dalton, right? Like I don't want to get in that situation where. You know he's good enough to score points and but not good enough to win the Super Bowl. So, but I feel like there's been a lot of guys like that, and you know, actually Derek Carr I think fits in there as well. So, yeah, and it's interesting. Do you know that it's happening when it's happening, right? Do you know that? Because in hindsight, we could say, oh look, like Andy Dalton mm-hmm. kind of plug and play. But during the during the time when he was when that was all going on, he did have AJ green. He had Tyler Eifert for a stretch. You know, he had some other weapons. Uh, Marvin Jones was there. Like it had a pretty good offense. And a lot of the conversation was, Hey, he has, you know, really high end ceiling and he just really never captured it. But it's one of those things, you know, when we look back now, like that career arc, can we sort of see it? Question is, is like, do you know what's happening when it's happening? And I would, I would submit no because it was constantly, hey, he's got quarterback, he's got, you know, top top 10 quarterback upside, and he was, you know, I, have a, I don't have a um, composite of where it was ranked or anything like that, but I just know from living that experience that it was very much a, uh, you know, it was very much a, he's a uh, high-end upside type of bat and just never really lived it up, so. 
And I After, think the other thing is if he doesn't have that great season in 2013, is his outlook different after that? Oh, totally. Right. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. that's kind of mm-hmm. the deal. It, it totally changes, right? Because you sort of, Hey, you can prove you play and you sort of have to, you know, that's the, that's the, the idea of, of how many starts you get, right? Like the, those guys, the second round guys historically have only gotten about 20 starts. So you either got to do it early or you don't do it. Right. And that's kind of the deal with him. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, it's an interesting, it's certainly an interesting, um, uh, you know, it's an interesting career arc for sure. And do you know when it's happening that it's going to be an Andy Dalton career arc? Cause you could say with Mayfield, like this is kind of what it ends up looking like, right? It kind of ends up looking like this without this, without the elite hit. Right. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting spot with Mayfield. Um, Adam, now that we, you know, we have not only do I have to do Carson Wentz branding uh, every every uh, show, but I do have to have the, uh, um, you know, I, I do have to have the the shot at Cleveland, right? Because there's a lot of draft picks in this range that it's not intentional, but there is no, a uh, they deserve it. There is a there is a, there is a Cleveland thing here. We got some Cleveland players in this class too, so I'd be interested to sort of see where they go. But uh, yeah, yeah. All right, you're uh, you're up here at, at eight. I'd be interested to see your thoughts. That's what I tell everybody. Don't let them off the hook for being incompetent because they did it for 20 plus years. So, I, I mean, you, you need to hold them accountable. So, um, yeah, so I am going with Doug Baldwin, which might sound a little bit weird, but um, and there are issues, just like you said, with the tear break. You know, there are definitely issues with his career arc. You know, he kind of put up some numbers, you know, wide receiver 40 around there early on in his career. But then he had a three-year stretch where he was wide receiver 10, wide receiver 8, and wide receiver 14. And then, you know, I I know people like uh, you were kind of pumping up his value before he retired. So, I mean, there was an an extra maybe year to get out of him. So, um, you know, get out of that profile. So, yeah, I went with Doug Baldwin. I had him next to one of those rare UDFA wide receivers that was actually successful. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, he was. Uh, I actually I went back and I looked, and that was the uh, he had a it must have been the 2017 2018 NFL season. But it was a, I had a Wilson Baldwin stack going in week yep. 16 in a couple of leagues, and it was a late on Sunday. It might even been Sunday night football. Um, but down to like the last drive, and if memory serves, Wilson went like 350 and four, and and Baldwin went like a buck 50 and two and the, the last touchdown was like on the last drive and absolutely changed fantasy seasons uh, pretty significantly. Um, so nice. yeah, that is a, that is a good, uh, that is a good reminder. And then I went and traded for him in a couple spots and, uh, you know, I basically, Hey, I'll just slide down the board, you know, so the shot and basically I ended up moving from mid second to mid third for nothing. Just gave that just gave that asset away apparently because he just decided to retire. So those things happen. So I, I feel like uh, this was the I feel like this was the start of like the you know fifteenth round startup wide receiver for me though you know Edelman Marvin Jones like Baldwin fits in there you know like these aging mm-hmm. players like it's probably going to be AJ Green this year we'll see but um, you know I I think that they can be productive for you so yeah I I get I get yeah. what you were doing. Yeah, yeah. And it was one of those things like, oh, hey, this guy kind of profiles the wide receiver one still if he wants to, if he comes back and plays, like mm-hmm. maybe it's only six games, but hey, I think he can capture ceiling. And, you know, it didn't end up 
it didn't really end up uh, end up happening all that much. So, um, all right. So now that you have uh, that was Doug Baldwin. Um, huh. So I, there was a couple of guys that I thought might be gone already that aren't gone. Okay. Um, I will go with. Um, uh, I'll go with Stephen Ridley, uh, and this was a an interesting class because they they double hit the position, and it wasn't a clear answer of sort of implications were going to turn out from it. But they they both in different in different forms. Ridley more the grinder type uh, didn't really live up to some of the my hope for it uh, of what he was going to be coming out in terms of I thought he had more passing game upside at LSU. Than he ultimately did, uh, but he got on the board early in his career as well. Uh, so he got uh, with a with a year two hit, and then kind of fell off from there. Injuries banged up, and then you know kind of the problems with, um, and kind of the problems with being a running back in the the Belichick system. All those things happened, but uh, he was good, and then pretty high end asset too as well. Very valued very highly after his second year hit. Um, and you know, kind of fell off the rail from there. But in a class where there was a lot of disappointment at running back, he was actually one that, from a little bit lower pedigree, actually turned out uh, to have a decent career. So I'll take Ridley here at 109. Yeah, if you're in a Bill Belichick offense as a running back and you have ball security issues, you're going to see the bench a lot more. I don't know. Yes, Ridley was a, R- Ridley was like a favorite of mine. I don't I don't know why. Like he was just someone that I went in on uh, in that in this class, and I don't, I don't know. I I feel like we got at least one good season out of him. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, we did. All yeah, right, did. I get the next pick. I'm going with clearly the best tight end in this class, Kyle Rudolph. Uh, six seasons in the top fifteen, and one year where he finished tight end too. So get that type of uh, consistent production from the tight end. I'll take it. Yeah. yeah. Good, good pick. Uh, and he's one of the ones still relevant. So there were guys that were valued higher than him at different points, but still absolutely relevant. I noticed he was in like the thirties in terms of some of the real draft position I was tracking. Like, man, I was like, if there's a decent shot that he ends up being a free agent someplace and just, you look at that profile, like that's absolutely the type of thing that returns value on like a 36 tight end off the board type of situation. So definitely, uh, definitely pretty interesting there. Uh, all right. So now we're at, uh, we're at one eleven. uh, and, uh, Adam, this is, uh, back to, uh, you. All right. I'm going to go with Colin Kaepernick. Um, he only had one top 12 season. Uh, he did have uh, two top 24 seasons. Um, you know, I, I, I think that he had some buzz even after, you know, like he, start, he started to essentially take a shit. Um, and, you know, I think you could have gotten out of that, gotten out of, you know, their shares of him, but um, you know, he added that running dimension and he was on a team that, you know, played defense and, um, you know, I, I, I just think it, he was more of a, like a sexy pick, you know, people liked the 49ers and he was the running quarterback and he was kind of the hot shot and, um, you know, took over for Alex Smith. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're getting to that point in the draft already. So, yeah, 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 we are, we are getting to the point in the draft. Um, it's interesting cause he was one that I was huge on just in terms of the running element and yep. it just never fully. It was a obviously an abbreviated situation. I never understood why he restructured his contract. He had no incentive to do that, and essentially restructured his contract and, and didn't play as a result of it. It was just a totally 
bizarre thing that happened. Um, I, that's one of those ones in NFL history I never understood. Um, so, um, all right, I will go with um, I will go with uh, actually Tory Smith. Um, I don't feel great about it, but I'll go with Tory Smith and. He did. He he got on the board uh, in terms of being. He was kind of like a. And this is going to be bad analysis because you're copying guys on the same team, but but looked a lot like the um, kind of the Marquise Brown type situation, right? Where he is basically that deep shot guy for the Baltimore Ravens, and it was a much different offense there when they had Flacco, uh, but post a hit uh, in year three, and then was again one of those guys where oh maybe you know he's got he's got ceiling, he's got upside, and it just never really happened. Um, but yeah, he is uh, you know at, at one twelve, you'll take a uh, you'll take a wide receiver hit for sure. And uh, and and move it along there. So he he uh, also had like four wide receiver three seasons to start his career. Yeah, yeah. So like yeah. he was productive. You know, I know that that's not our thing. We want guys who are you know hitting for top twelve seasons. But um, you know, I remember him being like a sleeper every year, and mm-hmm. there was some sneaky stats that like I remember Matthew Barry, you know, mm-hmm. touting. So, um, you know, I think his value is probably greater than at times was probably greater than his production, but um, yeah. 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 He, he was wide receiver three in this class and excuse me, wide receiver five in this class in terms of ADP is 15th. So he's actually beating where his ADP was that year. Um, a couple of guys in front of him, including a, a Cleveland guy. We'll see if we make it to him or not. Maybe it'll be an honorary mention type of situation. But there's a, there is a cautionary tale in this of don't draft a second round wide receiver in the first round of a rookie draft scenario in this class. So we'll see if that person gets mentioned. Um, but yeah, he is actually the uh, the fifth uh, wide receiver in terms of ADP, went just ahead of uh, some guys like Leonard Hankerson, Randall Cobb uh, as well there. So, um, so yeah, so that is the, the end of the first round. And now we will turn it back to 201 with Chris. 201. And again, I'm going back to the quarterback position Tyrod Taylor, my man. So mostly a backup, but you know, he had three starter seasons in Buffalo, uh, 2015 to 2017 in those years, two seasons as a quarterback two, one season as a quarterback one. So yeah, when you can get three good years, take it in the second round. He was uh, one of the fascinating things about him is what could have happened if that it was like the 2014, 2015 Bills team. I forget what you, what exactly year it was, but you had basically they're going to go down in history as like one of the rare teams that actually produces four starter receivers that ended up on being starters on different teams. So it was Sammy Watkins, Robert Woods, Chris uh, Hogan, and Marquise mm-hmm. Goodwin, and that was like okay. prime. Uh, that was a prime uh, Rex Ryan time. And so it was like ground and pound where you had like all these guys who were like, you know, teams were clamoring over to be like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll sign up and give, you know, money and picks and, and everything to these guys and play them and throw the ball to them. Smart franchises like, oh, I don't know, the Patriots. <laughs> and, uh, and they did these, these things and, and, you know, they wanted to play ground and pound. It's one of the interesting things about how, maybe history would have changed if they realized what they had had. But uh, yeah, and that front office sort of got, got banged down a little bit in terms of they got kind of run out of town. There was some, some other problems that I think were going on, but uh, 
the wide receiver core that they put together was something else um, and not ever fully appreciated. But Tyrod Taylor had a season like eight, more than eight yards uh, per attempt. I think there's that 2015 season, if memory serves. Like there's some really good numbers in there. And in that span of his career, um, but just never really fully put it together, probably because of the situation. So, but I, 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 I'm, I'm fully, I fully endorse Tyrod. So that's a good pick. Chris. Yeah. I, I guess having to take him here, you're just having to put him like on a taxi squad for a few years and, you know, not getting anything out of him until then. Yeah. Yeah. And sat basically sat in Baltimore, right? Sat behind um, Flacco. Yeah, I mean, wasn't time, wasn't he drafted as like a wide receiver, and they're like, all right, this isn't going to work. He's just got to be a quarterback. No, he I think was that, a backup. He was always a back. He was their no, backup I, like the entire time he was there. I think in this draft though that they they valued him as like a receiver. I'm almost positive of it, but, but whatever. I know that he didn't, and and he ended up get, going undrafted or whatever, or he went into camp as a receiver. I thought I, I don't know. He's a six-round guy, I thought. I think he was six or round. six-round. Six yeah. yeah, it might have been six. Yeah, because well, he I was mean, like one of those guys that were trying to break the sixth round. Um, you know, the sixth round. Oh yeah, one eighty um, overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sixth round uh, drought since uh, Brady, if memory serves. Um, I'm going to look that up just because I uh, I swear he was a receiver at some point, but whatever. I, uh, I think I think that's Terrell uh, Pryor. Yeah, I, th- I think I think you're Pryor, slandering Pryor my man. Trying to be a quarterback. So yeah, he was yeah. a quarterback in Oakland. So yeah. um, also I got to stop using DLF for this stuff because I don't have him with a hit. I've got him as QB 13 overall. So I, I did too. I had him just outside. And quarterback is one of those ones that is the, it's the definition of a Depending hit is always on the up in the air because yes. Yeah. So, so scoring dependent. So, but uh, anything that endorses Tyrod Taylor, not going to shoot down. So fully any, important. anytime I can call Chris a liar, I'm in. So, I like how dare you. Yeah. Uh, All right. So let's go. uh, We'll go back with Adam here at 202. I mean, I don't really feel good about this. Um, I went with Deion Lewis. Um, He's got a running back 15 overall. You know, one year. I he he did have some. I I feel like there were times when he was valued more than what what he was actually producing because he was like he was drafted by the Eagles, but uh, like he didn't really ever do anything in with in Philly. Um, you know, with the exception of like preseason games, and then he actually came to Cleveland and he was good in preseason games. And we actually thought he was going to be good, and then he got hurt. Um, so I don't think he actually hit until uh, he was with the Patriots. But um, you know, he did have some use, and uh, from week to week as a PPR running back, uh, he did have some value. Yeah, coming from the fifth round, uh, you like that. Um... And he actually uh, was decent in terms of you looked at some of the the other guys uh, ranking the pro football reference has the their approximate value. Uh, and he actually ran in this class. So um, ahead of uh, ahead of some other guys that aren't even drafted. So a long career for sure. Uh, and still arguably fantasy relevant. So we'll we'll see how that all goes. Um, all right. So that's. um. All right, so this is, uh, this is another tough one here. Um, hmm. Oh, man. Um, I will take uh, quarterbacks basically a wash at this point. Uh, I'll take Mikel LaShore, and I will take Mikel LaShore. He did get a hit. Uh, I remember 
uh, pretty vividly at the time that he was a huge asset uh, and people were disappointed. Um, I remember being involved in some trade, uh, you know, some trade action where he was a central piece. And I believe Adrian Peterson was on the other side. So again, this was drawing kind of Adrian Peterson's heyday. This was drawing big valuations from McKellar Shore. So did post this, had the, the soft tissue injury, but a movement guide, a big size. Uh, and then, you know, ultimately it was injury shortened. Um, and uh, I believe it was a, if memory serves, it was an Achilles. It was either an Achilles or a patella. Um, it was one of the tendons. It was Achilles. Uh, it was Achilles, yeah. And um, and that was one of the ones that was kind of the cautionary that, hey, those tendon injuries are the ones that you, you really kind of avoid. So, um, so yeah, so I'll take Mikel Shore. And um, at 203, I'll take the running back hat. And we'll turn it back to Adam at 204. Or sorry, Chris. I was gonna yeah, say. don't steal my pick. I know, I know. There's a lot of competition this, for these picks here. Because this is a league winner right here. Nope. Okay, maybe not. Uh, it's Julius Thomas. I'm going uh, tight end from Portland State. I, I'm just drafting him for these two really good years with the Broncos in 2013 and 14. Finished tight end three and tight end nine. I don't care about the rest. Yeah, that you you joke that is it was a league winner. It was a league winner in some aspects, yeah. and that was the Peyton Manning has made a lot of wide receivers, a lot of pass catchers, a lot of money, and uh, Julius Thomas is certainly one of them. So, um, yeah, Adam, you have any you have anything? Didn't didn't you guys get in on him at some point? Wasn't he a Brown? Mm, or no? No. No. Okay. All right. Must now, be, he uh, had big free agent contract, and then never did anything after that. Right? They just right. couldn't keep him. They had too many good players good players on offense and yeah 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 he did have good years and uh you know like he kind of came out of nowhere nowhere in the the first one he was just a big athlete so yeah i actually like it chris so yeah yeah i like that as uh i like that a bit um all right so adam you are at 205 i mean i uh i just happened to google it and i i I googled uh tyra taylor 2011 NFL draft and I looked at his ESPN draft profile wide receiver and then I looked up as then I looked <laughs> up his wrong. wiki and then I looked up his wiki and they said that uh the Baltimore drafted him as a quarterback to, in despite all the the other 31 teams believing that he should be a wide receiver nailed it always remember your uncle Adam is right so um, well, you know what the other 31 teams did they got it wrong Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you have a different, I mean, you were in Buffalo, you're, you're in Buffalo. So, or in New York, you're a Bills fan. So you remember him a little bit differently than I do. I mean, he's captain check down to me. So, I mean, for fantasy purposes, good. You know, I mean, you got, uh, you know, a six round pick and, you know, he did well, but uh, we had him here for a year in Cleveland and I could tell that he wasn't, I mean, he didn't even play, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I was never a fan, so. Um, well, and, and, you know, he'll go down in history as being the, the guy that had his lung punctured. So that way, uh, <laughs> it makes you wonder if the, if the coach knew, right. If the, if, or if the, if the, the trainer, whoever gave him the shot knew they were like, yeah, this the doctor, guy. we he, talked he about really it on jab our show. This needle in the, a little bit deeper. And, uh, well, so yeah. did he get, did he get fired or promoted for it? Because if you <laughs> make the case, it could go either way. Right. Because, yeah. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know that Justin Herbert was going to see the field if Tyrod was there. I mean, he probably would by the end of the year, but like he was a tools guy, like he needed uh-huh. to sit for a year and then, 
what i mean i i don't know the doctor probably got fired and they probably called him back and like yeah we're gonna actually hire you again and then promote you so <laughs> right yeah right so um yeah you know no, no, uh it was certainly one that ended up breaking right for them for sure so. it sure did um uh, all right so yeah. back, back to my pick um i'm gonna go Bilal powell um, mm. he only had one top 24 season, but I feel like he was a, on a lot of teams, a PPR back. And he was a guy that you could slot in. You know, I feel like he would have, would have been one of our, um, you know, backup running backs on our, our rosters and we would have been able to play him. Now I know that he kind of fits that receiving back role, um, a little too much, but I, I know that there were games where, you know, I played against him and, you know, I, I, yeah obnoxious when you know Bilal Powell scores 24 fantasy points and, uh, and you lose so isn't it infuriating to play against that <laughs> I, I can't I can't even stand it and and let me let me tell you I mean it happened so many times with him like to me like I'm like oh great playing someone's got a bye week and they're playing Bilal Powell and you know scores 20 mm-hmm. fantasy points it's like mm-hmm. mother you know so yeah 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 for sure um, yeah, it's, uh, it is, uh, certainly, certainly, um, frustrating and it's nice to be in the running back volume business. Speaking of the running back volume business, a player that I was interested in and very, uh, on early on in his career and held him for a while, uh, as he sort of, uh, always sought for a bigger breakout than he initially got with the Patriots, but that is Shane Vereen. And, uh, yeah, another guy who hit in this class and he, I just never fully got there. So I was kind of hoping in his second act, uh, I believe it was with the Giants, that he was going to get more, uh, you know, more of a usage. Never fully got, you know, the the big time usage that we had hoped. It, it makes you wonder if he was drafted 10 years later, if his skill set would have been a little bit more valuable than it was in the early 2010s. But uh, hit in year four and then, uh, you know, was was viable up until that point as well. So Shane Vereen. What I remember from him is that it always seemed like he was on the field, but he was never really getting the ball and scoring points. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a, it's a type of profile that I really like to invest in, uh, Chris. So yes, that is, uh, that's, that's I, I always, I always liked him. I thought he, I thought he was good, but like, and then when he went, I think he signed with the giants and mm-hmm. I thought he was going to do really well there. And I tried to acquire him in a couple leagues and I couldn't get him because, mm-hmm. you know, that was someone that they were, you know, touting as a sleeper that year and i'm glad i didn't because he never did anything after that so at least yeah. if i remember correctly so yeah yeah for sure uh all right chris back to you uh 207 so i'm thinking back to this draft and i remember watching this draft and as a cleveland browns fan i wanted the browns to draft cameron jordan yep I who was a defensive lineman he went to ended up going to New Orleans, <laughs> but they get Jordan Cameron, tight end from USC. And he did have one very good season, 2013, finished tight end five. So didn't do a lot outside of that, but one good year. Yeah, that is uh that was that phase kind of in the uh that where everyone was sort of all over the the big move tight end, right? And he kind of fit that fit that bill. Um, at a USC, if memory serves, right? Mm-hmm. He's on USC. Yep. The best thing is, is that they actually called Cameron Jordan when they were making the Jordan Cameron pick, and he's <laughs> like, 
I was drafted four rounds ago. It's a very <laughs> Cleveland thing to do. Oh, right? for sure is. For sure yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. stupid. Yeah, I think he sure. had some sort of connection to Blake Griffin. I think his sister has a baby with Blake Griffin too, if mm. or something mm. like that. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, I don't have to look into that one. I hadn't been tracking the Jordan Cameron love life, but uh, we'll have to. I got another <laughs> story. I got another story about him off air. So okay, all right, got it, got it. Um, you're uh, you're our on this on the ground beat reporter for the Browns. Uh, information there. So um, <laughs> yeah. Parking uh, yeah, habits the, for sure. This one I'm not really happy about, so uh, that's it. why I'm doing it off the air. So got it. Okay. Um, all right. All right. All right. Good. 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 Um. All right. So this one is back to Adam. Then at 208. So I am gonna go with. <laughs> you brought him up last show, Jordan. Uh, I'm gonna go with Roy Halu. Um. Mm-hmm. Only one one top 24 season, but. Like again, I feel like he kind of bounced around and didn't he, if memory serves, didn't he end up in Oakland at one point? He did. Yeah. And there was some buzz around him there. So like maybe he, you, you got a, you know, an RB two season out of him or whatnot. And then maybe later on you could get out of, get out of that profile, but like we're at the end of the draft. So um, yeah. Or hello. Yes. How about this? So, um, <laughs> So I was looking it up because I was going to pick him, and I, I uh, this was so 2012 was my first dynasty league, my first official dynasty league. So to, uh, week 12 of 2011. So we're talking down the stretch of that season. 23 carries, 108 yards, and a touchdown. Seven for 54 through the air. Uh, week 13, uh, 23 for 100 and a touchdown. Four for 42 the air. So again. 20 so we got 30 touches and 27 touches uh and then we have uh 27 carries 126 yards two receptions and six yards so that's 29 touches as well uh and uh, excuse me yeah 29 touches and then he goes 23 for 53 uh and that is week 15 he gets banged up and uh and misses week 16 and then plays in week 17 um so his, that week 14 was 23 for 53 on the ground that represented the most yards he, he cracked 50 yards again in his nfl career so in week 15 of his rookie season he had 53 yards and never returned to that that was next year was the alfred morris experience and notably uh week uh so that would have been week eight his eight uh week nine of that uh, rookie season, he caught 14 passes for a buck five. And that was kind of the beginning of his like seven, eight week stretch there of fantasy relevance that quickly faded from the radar. So Royalou. Um so he did have three rushing touchdowns in a game in 2013, but uh that was uh that was pretty much it for him. He was he was at Nebraska and we you know we're Buckeye fans, so we remember him from Nebraska. And uh, he mm-hmm. was a solid player there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, seven career touchdowns, and uh, basically, um, two of them were in that season, and then th- uh, three of them happened in a week where probably no one started him in week 2013. So, that was a failed draft pick on my end. So, we started that uh, fantasy career off with a good miss early in the early in the round there. So, um, all right. So, I'm surprised that no one has brought this name up yet because you guys went the uh, supplemental route last time. But I'll go Terrell Pryor. Um, drafted as a, um, 
drafted as quarterback with some hope and then has the big wide receiver season, um, you know, and kind of second act that positional convert season and then kind of flunks out of the NFL. But that, that wide receiver season was, was a big deal. Um, he had the big hit and then ultimately kind of flounders out of the NFL bounced around a little bit, uh, but did have that big, that was fully fantasy relevant. So I will, uh, I'll take that and, and put that one on the board uh, firmly there with Terrell Pryor. So uh, that is two Oh nine. So back to Chris with the, his last pick at two ten. Yeah, just on Terrell prior to that big season with the Browns, uh, 140 targets and over a thousand yards. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. should have taken the contract. <laughs> yeah, another the, cautionary he, tale. Yeah, yeah. Didn't he end up on the Jets at one point too? Mm-hmm. Did yeah. the Jets pay they, him? I don't think the Jets paid him, right? I I don't think anyone really paid him. Like he got. I mean, the Browns wanted him here. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, like there was, but he was just asking for a crazy amount, which I mean, maybe that was the right play. I mean, it didn't turn out to be the right play, but maybe it was because like we had cap room and like the team wasn't good. Um, I believe, mm-hmm. was that the first year with Hugh? Chris, do you remember that? It might've been, I'm that not might've sure. been, but yeah, I, uh, he had a great, it was, he, I mean, he was the only good thing about that season, I think. So, yeah. um, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I, it, they, they, he should have taken the contract, but yeah, he ended up on the Jets at some point. So, did he win anything in Ohio State that got stripped from them because of well, his? He's, he's one states. of the reasons why that they got stripped. Jim Trussell's but, not there, right? He was, Trussell was there. Yeah. And was, uh, so was he, he was, one of the reasons why Trussell left? Yes. Yeah. He, uh, he was getting okay. the tattoos. He was getting memorabilia for tattoos and whatnot. I know he also drove a 350Z at the time. And it's like, well, you probably didn't buy a 350Z. So, um, you know, cause that's like how to get yourself spotted. Right. Right. I'm sure yeah. it happens at like all these colleges and things like that. But like when you get attention brought on yourself with the tattoo, what do they call that tattoo gate? Cause everything's a gate at this mm-hmm. point. Um, yeah, that's what it was. I really yeah, wish I mean, that the I really wish that the that the Democratic National Committee was headquartered in a place like the uh, Quality Inn or something like that, so that way we didn't have to hear Gate at the end. Of that yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he yeah. he was also like if you listen to Matt Williamson, I mean, considered the best high school prospect they've ever seen. Interesting. Uh, like, I, I mean, he and I remember watching him in high school. I mean, he literally played everything. I mean, mm-hmm. on defense, he played cornerback, safety, linebacker, defensive end, and then he was the quarterback at the same time. So, um, I mean, he was incredible. So, yeah, yeah. Also, Bounced looked to- like he was playing against middle middle school teams because he was six foot six. So, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, bounced from Cleveland and then ended up with the Washington football team. They were named something different at the time. One year, eight million dollars in 2017. Uh, he's placed on injured reserve uh, with an ankle injury in November of that year. Signed with the Jets one year, uh, $4.5 million with $2 million guaranteed. Uh, played six games, recorded 14 receptions for 235, and re- was released uh, in October of that year. Um, and then that was basically it. So, And then he bounced. He signed uh, briefly with the Bills and then briefly with the Jaguars as recently as 2019. But spent uh, just basically after that jet season, basically spent three or four months on an NFL roster after that. So quickly, uh, quickly out of there. So that was, um, yeah, and actually got stabbed in the neck um, 
in 2000 in November 2019 ended up in the hospital with that critical condition. So glad mm -hmm. that he's okay. Um, yeah, all right. Uh, so let's see here. Uh, so you have um, all right. So that was uh, that was Terrell Pryor, and then Chris, you're at you were at two ten. Yes, uh, my last pick. I don't feel good about this at all. Uh, Lance Kendricks, tight end. Uh, he kind of made a, I guess, decent career out of being a secondary tight end, but did have mm -hmm. three tight end two seasons. So I guess that's something. <laughs> this is where we get to at this point. At this point. So I still have a deep sleeper here. So I'm hoping that one of them gets through here. So uh, I got a couple of them here. So uh, all right, Adam, it's up. It's back to you. A deep sleep. Well, now I want to pick your deep sleeper. Yeah. Um, so I'll go. I'll go Cecil Shorts. Um, oh, I got two of them through. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Right. Well, good, good, I mean, good. I had it between him and another, but um, he had a wide receiver twenty-five overall in year two. Had a bunch of buzz around, um, you know, being with Peyton Manning and the Colts, and mm -hmm. then I believe signed with Jacksonville. So. Um, you know, there was a, that's how I'm looking at these guys. Like if they give you any production at this stage in the draft, if they give you any production and then they also give you a clear out. And when he did get a contract with Jacksonville, cause he was, uh, was he a late pick or a, yeah. Fourth round one forty four one fourteen overall. Um, yeah. Like he just wasn't, you know, like he, you don't really expect anything out of a player like that. So to get a wide receiver 25 overall, season out of him and then being able to get out of that profile, you know, a couple of years later when he goes to Jacksonville. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, um, so you left me hanging here. I actually have two guys left on my board. So, um, I'll, uh, I'll take the tight end and that'd be Charles clay. Um, okay. so Char yeah. Charles clay, uh, from 2000 and, uh, let's see, 2013, uh, so he went tight end nine, tight end 15, tight end 17, tight end 15, tight end 18. So basically firmly in that tight end two range. I always thought that there was more upside there, but post, um, you know, post basically five seasons uh, in the top 18. So again, one top 12 season, uh, four other ones in a row in the top 18, bookended by a couple of finishes uh, on either side of that outside the top uh 40 basically so uh so that was again part of that bills he was he was a bill in that uh in that that era as well so um that that is a and with LaShawn Moore, that was actually a pretty interesting offense but uh they he, ran he was into like the ground rushing, right wasn't he rushing the ball at some he point came still? in like an h-back fullback type got yeah. converted to tight end i remember it was like his rookie season uh, let's see. I'll take that back. I'll be factually correct here. His uh, 2013 season, he rushed seven times, uh, operated as the goal line back at, at a point, scored a rushing touchdown, a couple of first downs, 15 yards. That was all he rushed in his entire career. Um, but yeah, he again, he was constantly sort of banged up and injured. And his best seasons were, were really that Miami season in 2013. And then it was essentially a 500-yard guy for essentially the rest of uh that that prime where he's finishing in the top uh in the top 18 there so yeah so that's uh that's pretty much the class here so let's go back and look at uh some of the it's some of the data we'll we'll just run back through the uh what the actual uh, you know what the what the class actually looked like at the time now keep in mind that this is all uh, this is all data that is start one quarter 
that was really pre we're drafting these as super flex but that was actually pre super flex being a conversation that was still in from in the quarterback territory that one quarterback range um aj green and mark ingram were the consensus well the the top two picks uh they were both at 1.8 in terms of adp so they were a tie julio jones was at 2.8 uh, there was a lot of busts in this class, uh, including Daniel Thomas at uh, yeah. 4.7. He was fourth rookie off the board. Ryan Williams, him and Mikel Ashore both injured uh, early in their careers and sort of totally sideswiped what had the looks of being a pretty good running back class, in all honesty. Um, so he was sideswiped there uh, by the injury. He was 5.8. Mikel Ashore and Greg Little. Uh, another Cleveland guy, 7.7. Jonathan Baldwin uh, at 10.4. He was a first-round wide receiver going late in the second in the first round of rookie drafts. So I'm sure would have been a target player for us in the range, even though his college profile was a little odd. Roy Hulu, 10.9. Uh, so he was a third round, basically right at the – sorry, it was actually the fourth round. So he was uh, one of those rules you don't do, which is day three guys in round one of rookie drafts. So he actually did hit, so it paid it off, and it hit early too, so the market must have known something. Um, Cam Newton was at 13.8. Again, that's start one quarterback. Shane Vereen and DeMarco Murray – both at uh, 14, uh, Vereen slightly ahead of DeMarco Murray. Uh, Vereen was at 14 flat and DeMarco Murray at 14 and a half. Torrey Smith at 15. So that was a lucrative spot to be in the uh, beginning of the second round there. Three guys. And if you sort of include Newton, four guys right in there that, that had some fantasy success. DeLone Carter out of Syracuse. He was a uh, 15.2. Uh, let's see, Leonard Hankerson. 15.7 Randall Cobb 16.7 uh, so multiple hits in the first five years there uh, Kendall Hunter the road to a bad roster spot is littered with Frank Gore's eventual replacements Kendall Hunter is a fresh example of that Titus Young who actually was going to be on the the honorable mention board here because he actually came up with a big catch in a week to actually keep me in a fantasy uh, season, he had a big, real big play at the end of a game and like like late in the, I think the 2013 season. Th things kind of went off the rails for him and during his life. Hope that he's doing all right now. But, uh, but yeah, I had a big catch for me. So I remember that one fondly. Um, Blaine Gabbert, 21.8. So that would have been uh, top 10 quarterback late in the second round of rookie draft. Probably would have been interested in that one as well. Uh, Jacquez Rogers, uh, he was uh, fifth round running back there, 23.8. Three Vincent Brown, twenty three point five. I'm uh, just looking down here. Locker and Dalton were in the second round. Ponder was in the second round or in the third round as well. All all three of those guys went in the third round. Uh, Kyle Rudolph would have been a target player. Just looking at some of the guys that would have been targets for us. Kyle Rudolph, uh, second round tight end, firmly in the third round of rookie drafts. That would have been a sitting dead red. So was Lance Kendricks. Uh, he was at, uh, they shared an ADP at 27.8. So right there, um, Stephen, Stephen Ridley. So actually, this is an interesting one in terms of some of inefficiencies in the draft class. Stephen Ridley was gotta be one of the latest day two running backs ever drafted in, in ADP. He was 31.3 despite being a third on rookie draft. That was the 13th 
running back off the board in that draft. So that's pretty that's pretty wild when you go back and look at it. Um, he, I think he's got to be the la- the latest one ever drafted. So um, so yeah, that is uh, basically the the relevant guys there. So um, any big takeaways there for you, Chris, in terms of this draft class? Uh, just looking at those uh, quarterbacks drafted, you know, Jake Locker, eighth overall, Blaine Gabbert, tenth overall, Christian Ponder, twelfth overall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Everyone kind of rushed to the board there to get one. And that was uh, not great. Not great. No. Not, not great at all. The, um, it's interesting when you look back, you sort of get those guys. It, it, you wonder what like eight overall would be now, right? Would Jake Locker at eight overall be three overall? Like what's the conversion rate? Cause there's been, seems like there's been an acceleration of these guys going earlier. You know, what would that have been right in terms of where he was going? What would Gabbard have been? Right? Would they have gone earlier? And would Ponder have been in this iteration of the NFL? Would Ponder have been a, of you know a top 10 pick with Dalton right that's the interesting thing is that Dalton was yeah. a third round was a was a second round guy behind all of those guys and uh was actually you know what he goes off as being the second best quarterback in the class behind a bunch of these other guys so it's definitely an interesting class where there was a lot of misses and and some of the guys that were later on were actually pretty big hits do you remember why Locker was rated so high Physical tools, which I have learned is always a great thing. And I'll just say, if we want to go big picture on this for a second, anytime you hear, especially a wide receiver, like, oh, this team needs to really draft traits or they really like drafting traits. That is code word for drafting bad players. Uh, and that is the one thing I learned with Jake Locker. He was like, a, and not that we should put any stock in this, but he was like a below 50% completion percentage yep. guy in college. Uh, and I actually remember he played Syracuse at a point. And if memory serves, I was at, well, I was in law school when this class happened. And I think that I, I think it was like one of the first times that I was actually there. Cause I, stre- I remember streaming the game. And it was relatively early on when you could actually do that. Um, Cause of course I wasn't in network, but I believe that they played Syracuse at a point and I was watching the game and I, you know, he was running around and doing all these things, but it, it was one of those things like, Oh yeah, he's going to be a high draft pick. And you sort of looked at it. You're like, what are they seeing? And uh, so, yeah, that was the physical tools aspect. He needed there, to really was, get out of Washington to blossom, I think. was There was one other thing about him, too, which you wouldn't hear today. He was a pro-style quarterback. Mm. That was the big thing with him. And so mm-hmm. Ohio State had played him the year before, and I remember, and then they were saying that he was a, a top prospect. And I remember the physical stuff that you, you're talking about, too. And I was doing a lot of draft analysis at the time. And he, every time they'd bring him up, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. And, and I mean, he actually should have come out, out because he would have went even higher. He would oh, have yeah. been like a top, top two pick, which yeah. would have been a, a massive disaster. But, you know, he stayed that extra year to develop as a passer and he didn't. And he still went wherever he went. Would it eight? Is that where you said he was? Yeah. Yeah, and then the the Gabbert one was uh, baffling too because he was in this system at Mizzou, which was not it did not translate to the NFL whatsoever. And I'm actually kind of interested if it would now, um, but I still think ultimately like his decision making and is just was not there. So um, he was overdrafted as well. It's interesting because you look back at Locker and you look back at Gabbert, and he's like one of these guys that sort of uh, hangs around. Um, 
as being a um I, I take that back. Oh, so he did. So they played Syracuse twice, as a matter of fact. So he played mm. his first college game in 2007 was against Syracuse. It was at Syracuse. Uh, then last year uh, was actually Syracuse went out there and played them uh, in 2010. So, yeah, I was, I was right on my memory. I have, a, I have a firm memory for these sorts of things. These things anchor in my mind. Uh, anything Syracuse related. So he, he, and notably when you looked at his college stats, which I think this is really interesting, uh, broke seven yards per attempt once, right? You want to hear some bad quarterback stats, 6.3, 5.5, 7.1, 6.8. Those are his yards per attempt in college. Just horrible. Uh, and then you sort of look uh, completion percentage if you're into that sort of thing, 47% in his in his freshman year, 53, 58, 55 is a 54% quarterback uh, completion percentage guy. Um, yeah, not not great. Uh, touchdown interception ratio, barely better than, you know, it was 53 touchdowns to 35 interceptions. Um, not great. He missed basically his entire sophomore year. Um, he never went better than two to one in terms of touchdowns and interceptions. So again, spend a top 10 pick on that at your peril. It's because he's not good. That's why. So. Yeah. 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 So that was, uh, that was certainly an interesting, an interesting class for sure. So, um, what, the, the comps to that will be pretty interesting because we're going to have guys, I think in this class that there's going to be a lot of that volume. So that was, a it looked a little bit different in terms of they, they going a little bit later in the first round, but you're going to get you know, four or five guys in that top, I don't call it 15. This class might be similar to that to, and to some, to some, uh, to some extent in terms of how they go off in the board. So, um, all right. Well, do you guys have any other major takeaways? Um, you know, I go ahead, Adam. Um, you know, you brought up about like some profiles that like we would have probably been in on. Um, and in, and you brought it up last show too, about, you know, some of the profiles that we would have missed on or whatnot. But when you look at these drafts and you're going through these, like, you're right. We might've missed on a couple of these, but there was mm -hmm. a tons of landmines here that P that we would have avoided, um, you know, last class too. And, you know, it, so, you know, nothing's perfect, no systems perfect or whatnot, but, um, and you know, the way we profile these guys, but, um, yeah, I mean, I looking at here at some of these, like we would have been avoid, avoid, avoid on a lot of these profiles and we wouldn't have made a lot of mistakes, even though there might've been one or two that we would have went after that didn't do anything. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Like if we were to look at this class now would have probably been pretty cautious on Daniel Thomas would be my guess because I'd ha I don't remember what his profile was, but he would have been early to go where he went in the draft. We would have been on Ryan Williams over him. Uh, but again, that was injury related. Um, Mikel Shore might have been a target there in the range that he was going in. Greg Little would have been a clear avoid. So, uh, Jonathan Baldwin might have been, you know, we probably would have been lukewarm. Um, Halu, we wouldn't have been on. Cam Newton would have been fine, probably where he was going. But we would have been, we would have been banging a drum in the second round. I mean, Shane Vereen, round two guy. DeMarco Murray, round three guy. Uh, in mid, early to mid second round, right? We would have been, we would have been banging the drum on that so um if memory serves it, uh mark demarco murray came out injured if memory serves right yes. isn't that why he kind of fell a little bit in the draft uh, yeah my, my guess is we would have we would have been all over him 
Yeah, yeah, that that would have been my intuition as well. Um, yeah, big guy who can basically yep. play two ways, second round. Yeah, you're basically getting it. Kind of looks a lot like the Madison Harris uh, profile, right? In that in that yep. sort of range, you could definitely have seen yourself going. You know, uh, uh, basically, you know, hitting him as being the clear target player in that range. Vereen as well, probably in that range. And and I'm absolutely certain that we would have been all over Ridley where he was Ridley. going. You know, we mm-hmm. probably would have dragged. It's funny, you look at where Ridley's going. And one of the things that, you know, when we were doing stuff at UTH and now the analytics of Dynasty stuff, like I could always tell kind of when there was like a really pro analytics guy. Um, or you could always tell, like, you always could look at the, the UTH guy and you would see the big standard deviation. You'd be like, all right, well, that's a UTH guy. Because <laughs> right? we were taking, you know, rounds ahead of where, where they were going. Ridley would have been one of those guys that you would have just taken and, like, hammered in the mid-second and probably driven his ADP up, you know, almost a half a round just because, uh, you know, had no business going where he was going, essentially. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so... All right. Well, that'll do it for this class. Uh, so again, like I said, this class, uh, you know, a little bit below average, but some of the guys up at the top, you know, these are some of the all timers in terms of Julio and AJ Green and Cam. And, um, you know, there was some AJ Green uh, slander on earlier with him with, you know, these uh, contributing running backs ahead of him. Uh, but uh, but Ingram and DeMarco Murray and, you know, we had multiple quarterbacks up there and you know, we haven't really got the big tight end classes yet. So we'll have to get some of those. But, uh, but yeah, so that'll do it for this episode. Until next time, continue embracing the variance. We'll talk again very soon.